Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the fan. Lori Rubinson here with you and uh, talked about the Jets earlier. Time to talk about the Giants and even a little fantasy football. And to do that, we bring in the host of the Big Blue Banter podcast on the Giants, as well as a senior editor for fantasy for CBSSports.com. Dan Schneier, welcome back to the program. Glad to be back here, Lori. Always love doing this with you. So, Dan, um, let's do some Giants first. And big picture, I was sitting and looking at last year's opening depth chart for the Giants, and a year later what the depth chart looks like as they are preparing for cut down day and all of that. And while I may have had some issues in year one with Joe Shane's um, first draft with, with the giants and some reaches I fought and some things like that, as we, as we step back a year later and what he's been able to achieve, um, what are the biggest areas or, you know, your impression just one year later, the talent and your impression of the talent on the roster um, now versus a year ago? Yeah, Laurie, I think there's been some major upgrades right now in the talent of the roster. The first one I want to focus on is the skill position talent. There are opportunities this year for the Giants to have mismatches from a skill position standpoint that they simply didn't have last year. I'll start with Darren Waller who you saw from the first preseason game, they're going to be utilizing in a way that is going to make it difficult for defenses to scheme around the Giants' passing game. And that wasn't the case last year. There will be times in the red zone where two, three bodies, and we saw this in the preseason, surround Darren Waller, and that leaves openings for Darius Slayton, who caught a touchdown, or for, you know, any, and that was in the joint practices, but for different players throughout the roster. And then the second one I want to focus on, and this one I didn't expect, Lori, going into training camp in the preseason, but now I have a different expectation for, is the rookie Jalen Hyatt. Mm-hmm. From watching the film on Hyatt, there's just a different level of speed and natural athletic ability that he has. When he gets in and out of his breaks, when he dips his hips and then accelerates out of that, he creates extra space. On the rep he had against Sauce Garner in the last preseason game, Garner was about step for step for him when he got into his break. And then when he exploded out of it, he created another four, five steps on Garner. And that's arguably the best corner in the NFL right now. So double moves, those are going to be a big thing for the Giants. And now they have somebody on the field in Hyatt who I think is going to be put 
into the game a lot earlier than people expected, a lot earlier than I originally expected, and is going to make an impact. So that's where I really focus on the difference in skill position talent this year. Yeah, last year this time we were talking about Kenny Galladay and um, yeah. and looking <laughs> and wondering if C.J. Board would make the roster at wide receiver, and it was a sad sort of state of affairs. And you mentioned Hyatt. And for people who don't follow your your podcast, I will say, if you are somebody who is kind of an X's and O's junkie, um, your podcast is really fun. And um, I'm I'm trying to remember. It may not whether it was your podcast. It may have been uh, Brian Baldinger does a really nice job breaking down film and plays. Um, but rewatching. Hyatt against Rowe um, and not so the Sauce Gardner stuff was really fun but that's when I realized watching that one um, where he just took like one little deep step and Rowe who is uh, Eric Rowe a perfectly good um, you know safety in the league bit for half a second and 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 he was gone Hyatt. I mean, he was standing around in the end zone waiting for the football to come because, you know, Roe was nowhere to be found. And and suddenly I looked at that and thought, oh, wait, like this might be a real, yeah, breakaway weapon, the likes of which the Giants have just not had. Yeah, you nailed it, Lori. And the beauty of that play is the Kafka Dable perspective of it, because what they did on that play was motion back Hyatt to be the number three, three-by-one set. And what that does is put two different receivers who are to his right on the number one corner on the option play, or, or number one corner option on the play, and the number two corner. And what that did was put Hyatt against the safety who's playing yards off the ball, and that's just going to be a mismatch anytime you get that because Hyatt has that next-level speed and acceleration. And that's the big difference here. I feel like with this coaching staff, they didn't look at the things that Hyatt couldn't do in college. They looked at the things he could do, and they're figuring out ways to get him free releases off the line of scrimmage. And once he gets that release off the line of scrimmage free, that speed changes everything because you cannot keep up with him, as you said, with Rowe and even Sauce Gardner on that rep against the Jets. So to that theme of not focusing on what players don't do well, but focusing instead on on you know what they do best, um, which is is really a trait you know a characteristic we were always familiar with Bill Belichick doing. Um, right. You know, let's bring out the best in players, and obviously Dable comes from some of that influence. And so last year, again, to the roster and the lack of talent, uh, we're looking at a team that came into the year with. Inside linebackers that included Tay Crowder and uh, Austin Calitro and, you know, whatever going on there. And now not only is is there Bobby Okereke in free agency, but one player I am absolutely intrigued to see what happens. And this is, you know, just happened, obviously. Giants trade a seventh round draft pick for Isaiah Simmons, you know, for a top 10 draft pick just a few years ago who never really was used 
in um, similar to how he had been used in college at Clemson, wasn't used that way with the Cardinals. How how do you see Wink Martindale figuring out how to use um, and get more out of an Isaiah Simmons? How does he fit with this defense as a playmaker? So, Lori, I'm going to be more bullish on Simmons than most, and I hope that doesn't come back to bite me. But the way I look at this thing is he is the perfect skill set for what Wink Martindale wants to do. And when he came in and met with Wink, he asked, Wink asked him, what do you like to do best? And this is what I general love about Wink and this entire coaching staff is has been consistent from Wink to Kafka to Dable. But he told Wink, I like to rush the passer. That's what I like to do best. And Wink's entire defense is all about creating mismatches, mismatches from a pass rushing standpoint, putting everyone on the line of scrimmage. Some people are going to drop into coverage. Some people are going to rush the pass. You even have Kayvon Thibodeau. You have Azizo Jolari dropping the coverage sometimes. Simmons going to be that uber athlete at six foot four, two hundred thirty eight pounds, four three nine speed, elite testing in the ten yard split for acceleration, elite jump for you know the explosiveness factor, and he can either rush the passer and get that pure one on one matchup. Or he can drop into coverage, and you're just not going to know as an offensive line. And that's kind of been Wink's M.O. throughout his entire tenure as defensive coordinator. There was a rep against the Jets, coming back to this preseason game, where Isaiah Simmons got that pressure. And the fun thing to look at on that play when you grind the film and you break it down is the Jets had a seven-man protection and the Giants had about seven or eight guys on the line of scrimmage. Only four rushed the passer. The rest dropped. And when you freeze the play, you see that the Jets have a left guard blocking absolutely no one, and then three guys on the interior offensive line blocking two Giants defenders. And that just led to a free one-on-one for Simmons against a running back. And that is a, that is a spot where Simmons is going to win nine out of every ten times. So it's a really good fit. Year one, don't accept him to be this complete inside linebacker. He has some uh, deficiencies as a run stopper. He's not the most physical player in that regard. He doesn't really have uh, read his run keys the best, but that's not going to be what, how he's used in year one. And I'm really excited about him on passing downs in the red zone, and then obviously on third downs trying to get him off, trying to get the Giants defense off the field. Talking to Dan Schneier about the Giants, and I'll let a couple of uh, my followers on Twitter have um, a couple questions for you. One, um, AJ is concerned about the offensive line and offensive line depth. Um, I'm sure that's a concern on most teams in the league, but I get it. I certainly do. In particular, concerned about Matt Pert and, and swing tackle. So the question for you, I have a couple questions here. One is, who is the Giants swing tackle? Is it Tyree Phillips, who at times looked okay last year, or is it Matt Pert? And, uh, you know, or do you think there is someone going to be dropped from another roster that the Giants might pick up? So I think the answer to the first question is that it is Tyree Phillips. Right now, he's been dealing with an injury, but the last I heard from Brian Dable yesterday was that he's getting closer. As the uh, listener who, who called in or who wrote in said, he, he is right. Matt Parrott is not someone the Giants can, can unfortunately trust on the field. Parrott actually had some really nice reps as a run blocker in this preseason, and that's been true since he entered the NFL. But unfortunately, in the NFL, if you can't pass protect, and he's been really deficient in that regard, it doesn't really matter all that much what you can do in the run game because that's the focus. And so it is Tyree Phillips. As far as what they can do, 
if Phillips' injury lingers or something of that regard. There's just not much. I tell this to our – we talk about this on our podcast, it feels like, once a week, Lori, and it's just like, unfortunately, there aren't that many offensive tackles that in the NFL that can compete on a consistent basis in pass protection, and no teams are going to be letting them go. No teams are going to be trading them. I saw the Steelers today traded an offensive tackle right. – uh, forgetting to who, but the reason they traded that offensive tackle is because they don't trust him in pass protection. It's not that they have this, you know, surplus of tackles that they can just give away. And, you know, the Giants tried something similar to this recently, about a week or two ago. They signed Julian Davenport, who had played a bunch of snaps in the NFL, but had really bad tape when we reviewed it for our podcast. And Giants cut him today because he just simply wasn't working out. So, unfortunately, this is something the Giants are going to have to upgrade in the draft. But I will say this. Tyree Phillips had some pretty surprisingly impressive games last year. Yeah, he was good last year. Yes, albeit on a small sample size, Mm -hmm. but he was surprisingly good. So as long as he's healthy, I feel a little more confident there. Um. Another question from uh, from one of the listeners is um, the Giants' schedule. I've gone back and forth on this. I have said I think that, you know, look, the strength of schedule this year is very challenging. And so with this on paper challenging strength of schedule, um, well, first of all, I had another caller who told me don't worry about strength of schedule because it is just on paper and it changes every year. And there's some fairness to that. But when I look at last year versus this year, it certainly seems tougher. So where do you fall on strength of schedule on paper versus reality this year? And given that schedule, what would success look like for you? Yeah, I understand. I definitely understand the argument. Let's not go crazy about how it looks on paper in September or August. But the reality of the situation is those teams that they, that they faced last year, specifically the divisions they faced, are easier than what they're going to have to face this year. The AFC East is a tough division for yep. the Giants to face this year. And the NFC West is not much better. There are a couple, there's one potential cakewalk there in my mind, but maybe two, depending on the Rams and where that situation goes. But it's not going to be an easier schedule. That's obvious. But the way I look at it, Lori, I really feel like this roster has significantly upgraded this year. The skill position is the talent is the first thing I talked about and how they can now find mismatches, mismatches in the past game. But really what I want to focus on, too, is the defensive line depth because that was a major issue for the Giants last mm-hmm. year. They had to play Dexter Lawrence an insane amount of snaps. Same goes for Leonard Williams, who battled through a stinger injury. And in season, they wanted to upgrade that position, and the Cowboys did that, and the Eagles did that. The Giants didn't have cap space because of Gettleman's faults from the past. And now, this offseason, they kind of made up for that. They signed Ashawn Robinson. He's going to be a huge contributor. They signed Nacho. He's going to be a good rotational player. And they found a seventh rounder in Jordan Riley, who was really impressive in the preseason. They have five interior guys I trust there. That's going to make a difference in pass rushing situations because people are going to be fresher like Lawrence and Williams. And more importantly, it's going to make a difference against the run. So I think they're overall just a much better roster. And I think that will make up for the schedule. But if you're asking me what a successful season for me would be, something around the lines of 10 and 7, playoff berth, deal another playoff win, get to the divisional round, and maybe they can do something interesting there. Because I'll be honest with you, Lori, this is the conference to make a surprising run in, right? It's 
We, we trust that the Eagles are going to still be a dominant team. 49ers should get there, but they do have a quarterback who I feel like Wink Martindale can come up with a really good game plan uh, against if push comes to shove. And outside of those two teams, I just don't feel confident saying the Giants are much worse than anyone else in that conference. Um, all right, last one on the Giants, and we'll do a couple of fantasy football um, with you, is um, are they really going to, you know, once they get past the opener with the Cowboys and C.D. Lamb is somebody you can see, Adoree Jackson covering in the slot, but, you know, as they go across the season and the Giants are facing teams with number one caliber outside receivers, is Adoree Jackson really going to stay in the slot and they're going to start two rookie um, corners on the outside? Or will do you think the Giants will at that point um, put Adoree Jackson outside against the number one wide receiver and, uh, and find, you know, use a different player in the slot? Yeah, that's an excellent question, Lori. And I think it will be matchup dependent, game dependent. But it could change. These two rookies play better than people expect. And I got to say, Deontay Banks to me looked really good in the film I saw from the preseason. He was sticky in coverage pretty much throughout. He ran a comeback better than a receiver on one route. I thought the route, uh, the rep he had against Jamison Williams, I thought he was pretty much step for step with him. And if you look at it, you freeze frame it, he did get his arm in there to impact the catch point. I know some people consider that a drop. You know, it's debatable from that sense. So, there is still the outside opportunity that those two guys surprise. And we did see last year, Wink Martindale do a really good job of getting guys, you know, one guy they claimed at waivers, Nick McLeod, was really productive for them at corner. And then Baby Moreau, another guy they uh, claimed just a few days later, also productive. So I feel like with Jerome Henderson, who I think is one of the best position coaches in the NFL, the defensive backs coach, they can do a good job with these guys. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see Adoree Jackson play a lot of slot snaps, especially considering the struggles we've seen both last season and then this training camp in the preseason and the joint practice they did uh, with the Bengals, or not the Bengals, the joint practice they had earlier in the year. With the Lions, you mean? With, with the Lions, sorry. With Darnay Holmes, and then more importantly, with Cordell Flott, who I was hoping would take a jump this year, but hasn't exactly looked that great in the preseason and training camp and in those joint practices of the Lions. So if that's the case and those guys remain struggling, the best option might just be to have Adore play the slot. All right. So now in your other capacity of your, um, your day job as uh, a <laughs> um, <laughs> senior editor for fantasy for CBS sports.com um, for listeners who have uh, have you know it's that time of year fantasy football drafts coming up. Um, who are some players that you are your sort of plant the flag guys that you're saying um, you want these guys on your roster this season? Sure, Lori. I'll go position by position here. So at quarterback, my plant the flag guy is Justin Herbert this year. I love everything about what Herbert's going to ha- uh, walk into this year. Kellen Moore, I think, is one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL, and he runs a super up-tempo offense, which is good for fantasy. He and, gets and, back Rashawn- and happily, he's no longer with the Cowboys because they Id- idiotically fired him, and, uh, and now he's with the Chargers, so that's good. Yes, and the good news also is Mike McCarthy's coordinating the Cowboys right. offense, and that I 
have a lot of questions about. But in addition to Kellen Moore, he's getting back Rashawn Slater, who I believe was one of the best rookie offensive tackles I've ever really seen. Um, no one really comes in the way he did that rookie year. He's coming back. And they added a, t- a first-round receiver in Quinton Johnson. So that situation I love. If you're in Superflex or two QB leagues, yeah. my target is Brock Purdy. Because Brock Purdy was the QB8 on a points-per-game basis last year in fantasy during the stretch. And seems like no one cares because he's being drafted in the 17, 18, 19, QB21. People are just kind of forgetting about him. And I think he's one of the rare upside guys in that late league. As we move on to different positions... I really like the value this year on Damian Pierce, the second-year running back out of Houston. Bobby Slowick's system, that outside zone system, is a perfect fit for his run style. And I heard him in an interview talk about how Slowick, the coordinator, told him, lose a little bit of weight because we are going to feature you in the passing game. And that's music to my ears. I also love James Cook, the second-year back for Buffalo. I am a little concerned with him losing some red zone stuff, but overall, Cook is a guy whose film at Georgia was much better than people realize. He's a very similar running style to Dalvin Cook. Great vision, great understanding of where to make the moves and where the holes are going to open up. So those are the two backs I would give you. If you want to go really deep at back, Tank Bigsby's my guy out of Auburn, the rookie for Jacksonville. If you look at the numbers, Travis Etienne was really good in some spots last year, Lori, but he was really bad in the red zone, one of the three worst red zone backs. And I think he's going to lose those touches to Bigsby, and those are high-value touches. Moving on to receiver, I got a lot of guys I like, so trying to narrow this thing down a little bit, I'm going to say I really like a bounce-back year for Debo Samuel. And for Keenan Allen, those are two players I'm buying in on there. I think Garrett Wilson is ready to take that next step into tier one of wide receiver. Because once Aaron Rodgers trusts you, he locks into you, and he gets you the football early and often. And if you're looking deep, deep sleepers, maybe somebody like Eli Moore fresh start, gets a fresh start. And I like the fact that the Browns have already schemed a lot of touches around him in the preseason around the line of scrimmage, you know, little flipbacks where he's a running back. I just think that's a great way, especially if you're in the PPR leagues, to kind of find a player. And then last but not least, tight end. I like to wait at that position. And the guy I'm targeting in every draft is Luke Musgrave, a player who came into this draft class and I said, If everything clicks with him, he has a chance to be a next-level tight end with the way he moves at his size, and he's played every single snap this preseason with the first-team offense, which is a really good sign. So those are kind of my guys this year for fantasy. All right. Uh, Dan Schneier, you should be, if you're a Giants fan, uh, you should be um, following his his podcast. When's the next um, episode of the uh, pod coming out? Well, we just did a live show tonight, which was fun. We talked about some of the roster cuts and, you know, took some questions. And all week we're going to be driving content because it's the best time of the year. We're really excited about it. All right. Um, Dan Schneier, appreciate the time. We'll catch up with you soon. Yep. Great talk with you always, Lord. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.